Well, last week I started a message that has actually two parts to it. It's talking about uh, uh, a pod of peas, actually. I'm going to ten peas that help us understand the whole scope of the gospel story. So I start them all with the letter P, so it makes it easy for us to remember. We started off by saying that God had a purpose. And uh, in uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 through 10, this is a very, very important verse. Uh, uh, Isaiah 46, 8 through 10, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none other. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. God is determined committed to accomplish his eternal purpose. And we said last week that that eternal purpose was to have gathered from all the places on earth, all the nations of the world, a people who would bear his image and share his heart and would love him. And that was his goal. He created man for that purpose. But creation alone was not enough to win the hearts of those he created. It was going to require an act of sacrificial love, a a giving of himself, entering into human form and dying on a cross. That's what it would require to win the hearts of of his people and to truly save people. So that's been his eternal purpose. From the very beginning, his purpose was to have a world filled with image bearers and heart sharers, people who would love him. Does that make sense? Everybody? Okay. All right. And then we said that not only was there that purpose, then there was the problem. Sin came into the picture, and it actually marred the image of Adam and Eve, the image of of God that was in them, and they lost their sense of affection for God. There was a brokenness in their relationship and fellowship, and when God came walking in the midst of the garden to fellowship with them as he had done before, they could not see his face And they ran and they hid from him. And that was the problem. But then we said in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, God makes the first promise. He promises that the day would come when a child born of the seed of the woman would actually, by his own death, by his heel being wounded, that he would crush the head of the serpent and of Satan himself. So this was the, we the theologians call this the first gospel, the proto-evangelium. It's called the the first declaration or promise of the coming Messiah, who by his own wounding would defeat 
the power of the enemy. So that was the purpose and the problem and the promise. And then there was the plan. God had a plan that he would start with a person named Abram. And he would call Abraham and make promises to him that he would reverse the curse ultimately through the descendant of Abraham. And through him and through his seed, through a descendant of his, that is the coming Messiah, the one that's promised in 315 of Genesis, that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. You see, the plan is in in place now that Abram, God calls Abram, who was a, a moon worshiper. He was not a godly man. He wasn't a good man, but he was a chosen man. And God said, Abram, I'm calling you. Leave your country. Leave your family. Go to a place that I'm going to show you, and I am making you a promise. If you want to see that promise, it's in Genesis um, Chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, and by the way, he later is called Abraham, but he's at first he's Abram. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. What nation is he talking about there? Israel. Yeah, he's the nation of Israel. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. This is the opposite of the curse. All mankind is under a curse, but he says, Abram, I'm going to bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And in verse 3, and I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you, listen, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Do you see? God says, I'm starting with Abram. I'm going to, to make of him a great nation, and out of that nation will come the Messiah, and those who are redeemed by that Messiah will be blessed. All nations will be blessed for uh, through him. And so that's the, the plan. And then there's the process. And that's what the story of the Old Testament's all about. It's the process of God choosing Abraham, giving to Abraham a miracle son, Isaac, and to giving to Isaac uh, 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 two sons, Jacob being the second son, but it's through him that the promise continues, and then giving to Jacob 12 sons, and, and through those 12 sons, the nation begins to grow and grow and grow and to the fourth son of Jacob, a man named Judah, God says, through Judah, the Messiah will come, that the scepter will not depart from Judah. So the promise is that through Judah's descendants will come the Messiah. And then the rest of the Old Testament is the story of how from Judah's line came David and God made another promise to David that through David's line there would come the Messiah and then we have the story as the Old Testament unfolds as David's descendants actually went in two different directions and from one line came Mary and from the other line 
came Joseph, who had the legal right to the to the to the uh, royalty. And so when Jesus was born, although he was not the son of Joseph, he was in the family of Joseph. He was given the name of Joseph, and he had the right to be the king through Joseph, and then he had the nature of humanity and deity through Mary. Does that make sense? All that clear as mud? Okay, you got it. Okay, all right. And that's the reason, by the way, when you read the genealogies listed in Matthew, we get the genealogy of Joseph because that was through Joseph had to come the legal right for Jesus to be king. But when we read in the Gospel of Luke the genealogy, we have the genealogy of Mary, which uh, uh, his Luke's purpose was to show that he is indeed the son of man but also the Son of God. So the process just moves along. It's what the whole story of the Old Testament's about. Everything in the law, everything in the prophets, everything in the writings, all are shouting the same message. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Someone is coming to fulfill all the promises. Someone is coming to fulfill all the hopes. Someone is coming to fulfill all of the prophecies that have been given, and then we come to the person. And when we open the New Testament, we read, in fact, in, in the in Matthew, the, the very first verse in the New Testament, it says in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. See how it ties the whole thing together. And that word genealogy actually goes back to the very word genesis. The genesis, the descendancy, the story of Jesus Christ. That is Jesus the Messiah. That word Christ. That's a lot of people think Christ was Jesus' last name. Uh, the word Christ is a title, not a name. And it's the title anointed one, Messiah, the one that has been promised for all these generations. And this is the story of the genealogy of Jesus the Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David. So the, the whole process of the Old Testament funnels down to this one glorious event that we celebrate the life of Jesus. And that's the reason Matthew starts off by giving us that lengthy genealogy and then he moves right in to the birth of Jesus. And so we have the person and then we have what I call the passion. Many of you saw uh, the movie The Passion of the Christ. The word passion means suffering. It means it's, it's the word for pain. The the, the suffering of Christ, the passion of Christ, his death on the cross, and his glorious resurrection. We were saying in Sunday school this morning, uh, Margaret was saying the, the death of Jesus on the cross would not have really accomplished what we needed to accomplish had it not been for the resurrection. And that's true. And so the passion of Christ involves the entire Christ event, his suffering, his crucifixion, his resurrection. And then that leads the 
the purchase. What did Jesus accomplish on the cross? We call it salvation, but one of the other words that we use a lot is the word redemption. We have redemption. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's no redemption from sin. Any of you ever been to a redemption center? Yeah, okay. Well, years ago, there was uh, people used to get S&H green stamps. Do you ever get, any of you ever get green stamps? Okay, yeah. You have you, uh, these girls looking around like, what's a green stamp? Well... Well, you'd go to the store, you'd buy some groceries, or you'd buy something, and for every dollar that you spent, I think it was every dollar, wasn't it? You'd get a, or was it $10? You'd get a, a little green stamp that had S and H written on it, Sperry and Hutchison green stamp. And uh, I used to work for the S and H green stamp uh, warehouse over in Fort Worth when we were in seminary. And, uh, and, then you would get your book full of green stamps and then you would take them and you would go to a redemption center and you would say, I want to redeem with these this book of stamps, I want to redeem, that is, I will purchase, I will buy a, a something, whatever it was. There are thousands of things, you know, uh, I think we actually saved up enough one time to get a gym set for our kids. It took like 40 books. And uh, uh, and you could redeem them. And every time I would work at that redemption center there in, in Fort Worth, I would think, you know, that's what Jesus did. He came and he gave the necessary uh, uh, price to redeem for himself something precious. And what did he get? What did he get for his death on the cross? He got you, and he got me. He got a bride. He got a people. And what people? From where? From every tribe, from every nation, from every place on the world. He said, my name is to be proclaimed to all the nations. That's our gospel. That's our, 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 our gospel uh, uh, commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. And that's the reason we take up our Lighty Moon Christmas offering, by the way. And that's the reason that we support world missions. That's the reason that we pray for uh, people in other countries, for our missionaries from the, that are from right here at our church. The reason we pray for Mike and Ronnie in Bulgaria and other places uh, because they are preaching the gospel and they are seeing people redeemed from Bulgaria and from Indonesia, and from China, and from every tribe, and every tongue, and every nation. And the redemption, the purchase of God's people comes about through number nine, the proclamation of the good news. It is good news, isn't it? You know, the Bible tells us that uh, we've all sinned. I had a funeral service here in the 
church, uh, was it Friday, Thursday, Thursday? And, uh, of course, at funerals, everybody says wonderful good things about you. If you want to have good things said about you, just die. And uh, everybody will say nice things about you. Even, even Democrats will say nice things about Republican presidents if they die, you know, and, uh, and, and vice versa. But, uh, but everybody was talking about uh, Brother Ron York and what a fine man he was and what a good man. And then when it came my turn to speak, I said, well, let me just say one thing about Ron. He was a sinner. He was a sinner. And uh, some of the family looked like, well, that wasn't really what we were expecting you to say. But I said, uh, which just simply means he was like all the rest of us. He was a sinner. And I said, I know that sounds like a bad thing, but really it's a good thing because the Bible says that Jesus came for sinners. He didn't come for righteous people. If he had of He'd have been disappointed because there weren't any. There's none righteous, no, not one. But he came for sinners. And the proclamation that we have to share is here's some good news. That's what the word gospel means is good news. And here's the good news, that yes, you may have failed and sinned and have failed, not may have, you have failed, you have sinned, you have fallen short of God's glorious purpose and ideal but Jesus came to die for sinners and that's the gospel he died for our sins according to the scripture that he was buried and on the third day he rose again and that's what we proclaim but then there's one last P that I want us to think about and it's the uh, what I'd call perfection it's the completion of the story And one day, one day Jesus is coming back. One day all of history is going to come to an end and we're going to have what we read about in Revelation chapter 22. And let's just, I won't have to make a lot of uh, comment on this, but Revelation chapter 22, read almost all of the chapter and then close the message. The Apostle John has completed the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. When was the last time we saw the tree of life? It was in Genesis chapter 3, right? And on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree were for what? The healing of the nations, all the nations of the world. By the way, the word for nations is the word translated sometimes Gentiles. And no longer... Will there be anything accursed? The curse will have been eliminated. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. And they will see his face. 
Now, glorious, man, I'm telling you. I believe that before the fall, Adam and Eve were able to actually have person-to-person fellowship with the Creator. It may have been through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate, but they saw His face. And the, uh, the dream of every theologian and every Christian throughout all the centuries has been someday we want to be able to see God. We want to see Him face to face. I believe, again, it'll be Jesus that we see, but, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. And night, darkness, will be no more. And they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the, of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. He made a serious mistake there. John fell down to worship the angel. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers and the prophets and with Those who keep the words of this book worship God. Only worship Him. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. Daniel had been told to seal up the prophecy of his book. (coughs) For the end, the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. By the way, what do they wash their robes in? We told another place that it's in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. See, it connects it right back to David. The bright morning star, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Now, by the way, that's spoken to everybody today. Anybody that is truly thirsty for God, let him come. And I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. 
And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. I want to preach on all these verses, but I want to finish. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And this is the completion to the story. And God will have his people, blood-bought people, from every tribe and every tongue and every nation who will be his image-bearers and heart-sharers. And thus his purpose, his eternal purpose, will be fulfilled. Now, how does it relate to you? Well, are you one of his people? Have you put your trust in him? Have you acknowledged that you're a sinner? And have you called out in faith and said, Lord Jesus, I trust you. I trust you alone. If you have not, what a glorious day today is for you. Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Would you just call on him today? Say, Lord Jesus, I trust you. And maybe you need to come this morning and declare your faith in him. Maybe you need to come in some other way to be a part of this fellowship or to come and, uh, and recommit or rededicate yourself to him. We'll sing a song of invitation after our prayer and invite you to come. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this glorious plan, the, the, what we often call the plan of salvation, but we know that really it's the man of salvation. It's Jesus that is our Redeemer, our Savior, our promised Messiah, and our Messiah, our, our Lord. And I pray today, for those who uh, may have never, ever genuinely repented of their sin and put their trust in Jesus as their Savior, help them come today. Settle that issue once and for all. And then for others who need to come in some other way, I pray that this invitation will be an open invitation to all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.